0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Valley Creek. It is so good to see you. Y'all look good today. It is good to be here and be with you. It is good to be with you. Can we stop and just welcome everyone that's joining us from our campuses, online, extension sites? We are so glad to be together today. It's a good day. It is a good day. And today we are going to wrap up the series that we have been in called. Abnormal. For the past several weeks, we've been stepping through the book of James, and what we have discovered is there is a better way of life, but it's different than the world's way. We have learned that we value wisdom over intellect. We love different than the world loves. Our words are different than the world's words, and we live in the present. We are not stuck in the past. We are not afraid of our future. That is The better way of life. But it's different. It's different than the world's way. And so we look different than the world. We look different from them because we are different from them. So, right now, look at the person sitting beside you. Go ahead, look at him, look at him, look at him, look at him. And now you may wanna say, you know what? I've always thought you were a little abnormal, and that's okay, that's okay. We're just all gonna be abnormal together. So today we are gonna look at the final message from the book of James. So if you've got your Bible, open with me to James chapter five, James chapter five. As I begin to get ready for this message, I got really, really excited because the heartbeat of this message is encouragement. And I think we would all agree that the world is not really an encouraging place. And so I think we could all use a little encouragement from time to time. And I love to encourage people. You will not meet a bigger cheerleader for life than me. And I love to sit down with people. Usually there's a cup of coffee involved and look at them, look into their eyes and speak words of life, and just put courage in their heart. That's what encouraging is all about, and I love to do that. So as I started to prepare the message, I had all kinds of energy and excitement, and then something happened. Something happened in my life. You see, a situation found me, and it wasn't a situation that I was necessarily looking for. Um, it was a pretty serious family health issue. And It kind of hit me, it hit me like a wave, and it knocked me off my feet and it left me disoriented, um, confused, a little bit scared. See, it was unexpected, so I was unprepared. That was just a few weeks ago. To be honest, not much has changed. And not only that, but I don't have an end in sight for this situation. Can you relate? Can you relate to an unexpected hardship that just kind of hits you from nowhere? See, I think you can, because we all encounter difficult times. So there's three types of people in the room right now. There are some of you that are in a difficult time. I am right there with you. Some of you just came out of a difficult time. And if that's not you, then I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but there's probably a difficult time waiting right around the corner. So you may want to flag this message for a later time. But we all experience difficulty. We all experience those unexpected troubles. Those are the worst because they just, they kind of catch you off guard. They, they turn your life upside down. They have a way of like hijacking your time and your mind and your heart. Maybe your marriage one day just falls apart. Maybe your job that's always been stable suddenly becomes unstable. Maybe the new student picks you to bully in class or maybe... Maybe it's just the grind of life and it takes a toll on you in ways that you don't expect and one day you just break. And all the emotions that come with that, fear and doubt and worry, sometimes you're angry and there's not even anybody to be angry at, but through all of that, more than anything, you just want it to be over. You just want it to be over. You just want to be done with it. And when it doesn't get better, you want to give up. Well, that's kind of where I am in this situation that I'm walking through right now. Um, It's kind of crazy. I was building a message about encouragement, and I find myself in need of encouragement. Um, My situation, it's exhausting, and it's emotional, and there have been more than one times just in the past couple of weeks that I've wanted to give up. So I tell you that because I want you to know this message is not from me to you. This message is for me. And I think it's for you, too, because we are all going to walk through difficult and challenging times. And you know what's interesting is walking through different and challenging times and not wanting to give up, that's actually how James kind of ends his letter See, the whole book of James, he's been telling us, you're different, you're different. And sometimes different can be difficult. And sometimes when it's difficult, we want to give up. So it's interesting. Look with me at James chapter 5, verse seven. Look how he starts to wrap up this whole letter. He says, be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too. Be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Here's what James is telling us. He says, no matter what's going on, no matter how hard it is, don't give up. Because everybody has difficulty in their life, but it's how we deal with that difficulty, that is what makes us different. See, the world is ready to give up. They are ready to give up at the first sign of resistance. When they are ready to get going, we keep going, and that's what makes us different. That is what is abnormal. So, James' message, it's short, but it's strong. Don't give up. And he gives us this message through potatoes and profits. Look with me at verse 7. He's painting a picture of a farmer. Now, I know, it doesn't say he's a potato farmer. He's, in my mind, a potato farmer. He can be whatever kind of farmer you want him to be. But look what it says in verse 7. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. okay. We don't have to be potato farmers to understand the process of farming. You clear the land, you prepare the soil, you plant the seed, and then you wait. And that waiting, yeah, that's the challenge. And James even gives us a description. He says that the farmer patiently waits. Why does he use the word patiently? I think it's because he wants to tell us that it's going to take time. Just like when you and I are walking through difficult seasons, more than likely they're going to take time and we are going to wait. Now we have a choice of how we wait. We can wait anxiously or we can wait patiently, but we will end up waiting. And let's be honest, when it is long and when it is hard, that's when we're most tempted to give up because during that time our emotions are growing like crazy, fear and worry and confusion and doubt, they're just coming up all over the place. But if we can just be patient, just like the refreshment came for that farmer, refreshing times will come to us. We just have to be patient and wait, how do we do that? Well, James has an answer for that too. He says the potato farmers don't give up and he points us then to patient prophets. Look at verse 10. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered." Okay, the prophets were the people that the Lord chose to be his voice during that time. And sometimes he gave the prophets some really cool things to say, but many times he gave them some pretty difficult messages to deliver. And the people usually were not a fan. And so these prophets, man, their assignment was hard. They were abused. They were persecuted. I don't think any of us would have, we wouldn't have understood if they tapped out and said, man, I just kind of want to give up. But they didn't. In fact, look at the heroes in faith who did not give up despite tremendous difficulty and a lot of uncertainty. Think about Noah. Hey, Noah, go out and build an ark you've never seen for rain you've never felt. Oh, and you live in the desert, by the way. I mean, that's crazy, But Noah was obedient and he did it. And it didn't take him days or weeks or months. It took Noah years, years of being mocked, years of him and his family being made fun of. But Noah didn't give up. Think about David. We've been reading about David. So David was told at the ripe age of 15, he was just a kid, you're going to be king. But first... You need to go fight Goliath and then you need to serve the current king and then you're gonna run away from the current king and then you're gonna to try to avoid being murdered by the current king and then there's a whole lot more battles that you're gonna fight. That's a lot of and thens. But David didn't give up. James mentions somebody by name. He talks about a guy named Job. Job was a really good guy and he was living a really good life. And then one day, An unexpected hardship hit his life in a most devastating way. See, Job had everything. He had his health, he had a family, he had wealth, and he lost everything. And everyone was telling him, give up. Not just give up, but give up on God. Has anyone ever said that to you? Oh, just give up, just give up on God. It takes somebody really abnormal to keep going, and Job was that guy. He didn't give up, and of course, the best person in scripture, the best example of not giving up it has to be Jesus. I mean, when Jesus, his family called him crazy, his disciples were ready to leave him. The Pharisees were all trying to kill him, but Jesus didn't give up. In fact, not only did he not give up, but he received and released hope to other people who were on the brink of giving up. They were on the brink because their health was failing. Their relationships were failing. Their purpose in life was failing but one encounter with Jesus and they found what they needed to not give up. I wonder if when James was writing this letter, I wonder if he was thinking about when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount. There's a place in there where Jesus was talking to all these people and he was saying to them, hey, when things are hard, when it's unexpected, when you're at the end of your rope and at the end of yourself, do this. Look what he says in Matthew chapter seven, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. Jesus gives them a practical way of living, but it's not the world's way. Because the world says when it gets hard, give up on it, get out of it, get on with it, get over it. The kingdom says, don't quit. Don't quit asking, don't quit seeking, don't quit knocking, don't give up. When the world says there is relief to leave, the kingdom says there's reward to stay. He said when Job persevered and then the Lord finally brought about, there is a better way of life. There is a reward for perseverance. So James encourages us to take the abnormal path on the road of difficulty. Okay, James, I am here, I am in it, it's hard, I kinda wanna give up, what do I need to know? I think there's three things. Three things that James would tell us to remember so we don't give up. And the reason I think he wants us to remember is because we actually know these three things. When life is good, we know these three things, but when unexpected hardship hits us, It can be really easy to forget. So James would tell us first thing, remember so you don't give up. This is the first thing he would say to us. We have all we need. We have all we need. See, when it gets hard, it's easy to confuse what we want with what we need. When it's hard, it hurts. And what we want is we want the pain to stop. And so we find shallow solutions for what's really deep pain. But God knows, God knows what we need. But sometimes waiting for him to meet our needs, that's where it can take time. And we aren't nearly as patient as that potato farmer. We will wait about this long and then we say, okay, this isn't working out, so I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it, I'm going to do it myself. Have y'all noticed that our society is like crazy about doing it yourself, this whole DIY movement? <laughs> I don't understand DIY. I prefer DIFM, do it for me. But the world is crazy about DIY. We've got these TV shows. In 30 minutes, they're trying to tell us that you can buy a house, tear it down, build it up, flip it, make a gazillion dollars, you do it all in a week, and the whole time, the girl's hair and makeup never gets messed up, and the guy makes one run to Home Depot. Neither one of those are anywhere close to what actually happens. It's not. And they don't even get into an argument. That is not how it happens. (laughs) In my house, that is not how it happens. But that's what the world would say. The world would say, get in there, fix it, do it yourself. See, the world values self-reliance over God dependence. Why? Because when I'm relying on myself, I'm in control. And the world says control is king. The world believes that problems in this world are controlled by values of this world. Things like power and wealth and comfort, but those are just empty promises. And we have a really good example in scripture of someone who bought some empty promises and it went very, very wrong. Her name is Eve. You guys remember the story of Eve. She was created by a perfect God. She was given a perfect partner. She was put in the perfect place. Girlfriend had everything she needed. God said, all this is yours. All of it. But see that one tree over there? That one tree? Don't eat from the fruit of that one tree. Because you don't need it. And then Satan comes in. And Satan starts to distract Eve. Note. Satan's distractions will become our difficulties just like that if we're not careful. And he starts to distract Eve and he tells her, man, I think God is holding out on you. And you know what? She believes it. She believes it. And all of a sudden, she forgets who she is. When we forget who we are, we're giving up on our identity. And we take our eyes off of what we have and we start looking for what we want. And Eve saw what she wanted And when she saw something that she wanted, that's when something was put in place for humanity. And that is when things went wrong. That is when wrong became normal. Look in Genesis chapter three. It says, verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to the eye, and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Look at the things that Eve saw in that fruit that she was interested in. It says first that it was good for food. Food is a form of provision, so we feel secure. It says that it was pleasing to the eye, it was attractive. And then it says it was good for gaining wisdom. Well, when you have wisdom, you have power. So what Eve saw that she really wanted, she wanted power and beauty and security. Isn't that what the world still wants? Power, beauty, and security? That is what she saw, that is what she wanted. But the sad thing is Eve forgot she already had all that. She had power and security, she was being held, the most secure place in the powerful hand of God. And beauty, she was created in the image of God, she was reflecting and radiating him. There is nothing more beautiful than that Eve forgot what she had she gave up on what she had God's perfection for what she wanted empty promises see Eve thought what her way was was better than God's way sometimes when you and I give up it's because we think that our way is better than God's way but just look what happened it didn't just impact Eve It impacted her, it impacted Adam, it impacted everybody that has come after her. It impacted you and it has impacted me. We have to realize that when we give up, it impacts so much more than just us. And this is why it's so important to remember that we have all we need. In Philippians chapter four, it says that our God will meet, not might meet, not could, he will meet all of our needs, not some of the needs, or the all of our needs, according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Psalm 23 says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In other words, I will always have everything I need. And when it's hard, unexpected times hit our life, he also gives us a way out. Look at 1 Corinthians 10, 13 with me. No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. What is that saying? He's saying that, When things are hard and the stakes are high and you're tempted to give up and I'm tempted to give up, everybody else gets in that same place. It's common. In fact, there is the most common temptation for mankind is the temptation to give up. You say on what? On anything that's hard. But it's when we don't give up. It's when we take the way out that he provides for us. That's what makes us abnormal. Did you notice that it says that way out is provided so we can Endure it and not escape it. You wanna know what an abnormal life looks like? It's the supernatural ability to endure what so many other people are quick to escape. We do that by receiving more and more and more of the grace of Jesus. In Jesus, we have all we need. The second thing I think James wants us to remember so you don't forget is this. We have all we need and we have who we need question. Have you ever been in a room full of people and yet you felt completely alone? I have. And that is a sick, sick feeling. And the only thing that's harder than walking through unexpected hard times is when you feel like you're doing it all alone. We were never meant to walk through life alone. Jesus didn't walk through life alone. I know you're saying he's got the disciples, but the disciples were not his reason for not giving up. You walk with Peter for five minutes, you're gonna wanna give up, trust me. It wasn't them, it was because he knew he had who he needed, he had his father. In John chapter five, it says that Jesus only did what he saw the father doing. That means his gaze was focused on heaven. He was fixed there. That was his source of not giving up. All over the Gospels, you'll see where Jesus engaged with the Father. You'll see in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 6 says, He went out into a mountain to pray and continued in prayer to God all night, all night, early in the morning, late at night, after a long day of ministry, He went to lonely places. He was never alone because it was in those places of solitude that he experienced his father's presence. See, there's a difference between isolation and solitude. Isolation is where we pull back and we're trying to protect ourselves. Solitude is where we lean in to the protection of God. Isolation is where we go when we've already given up. Solitude is where we go, so we don't. I wonder if every time Jesus prayed, it's because he was thinking about giving up, but he didn't because he had who he needed. And just like Jesus, we have who we need. We have the Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? He's God with us. He's God in us. It says in John chapter 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Okay. It says he's a guide. What's a guide? A guide is somebody that's going in front of you and they know the way and their whole purpose is to get you where they're trying to go. We don't give up. Well, we've got a guide saying, come on, come on, come on. You can do this. He's also called the Comforter. What does the word comfort mean to you? It means to me that, man, I'm gonna be taken care of, that I'm secure, that everything is going to be okay. So when we are in unexpected hard times, the Holy Spirit, he guides us out and he comforts us along the way. I don't know what kind of a difficult spot you may be in today. But are you aware that God is with you in it? In the pain, in the confusion, in the uncertainty, God is right there with you in it. And he promises that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us, and it's not because we are good, it's because he is good. So don't give up. Don't give up on that prayer you've been praying that breakthrough you've been waiting for, that healing that you've been believing in, don't give up because God is with you in it. Here's the last thing. last thing I think that James would say, remember so you don't give up. He would tell us to remember we have a life worth living. You, you have one life and it is a life worth living. But when things are hard, it's easy to forget that because you know what? We're just worn out. I mean, we are worn out. We are tired. And all of a sudden, it just hits us one day. I mean, have you ever had this thought? Have you ever said, I just need a break from being me? I have said that. I just need a break from being me. And it's usually when I'm tired because all of a sudden, my life starts living me instead of me living my life. It's like I just, I'm just going through the motions, like almost like a zombie It makes me wonder, is that why the zombie movies, is that why they're so popular these days? Because it's, no, seriously, I really believe that it's a physical picture of a spiritual truth right now. And a perfect example of that is a guy that Jesus and the disciples came across He was overcome by multiple demons. He was literally walking around like a zombie. He wandered in tombs and he would cry out in anguish all day and all night. It says that he would cut himself with stones. And the people had tried to control him. So they had like chained him, but he just broke the chains. So picture it. He's freely roaming, but he's in bondage and pain. You know what I wonder? I wonder what was this guy's life like before the unexpected hardship hit him? What was it like? I mean, did he have a family? Did he have a job? It says the place that he lived, there was a significant pagan impact. All that means is it was just the worst of the world. Is that what happened? Did it just cave in on him one day? See, we don't know what he was like before, but we do know. When it happened, when it changed, was when he had one encounter with Jesus. One encounter with Jesus. And the man was set free. (laughs) It says that the people saw him after he had been set free. They saw him afterwards and they didn't recognize him. He had changed. He was dressed. He was in his right mind. And do you know what their response was? They were afraid of him. What a paradox when the man was, was in bondage and pain, they said, oh yeah, he, that's normal for him. But when he was set free, when he started to live an abnormal life, they pushed back. How sad for that man. Don't you know he was just looking for somebody to give him a hug and, and celebrate him? But they pushed back. The world will not celebrate what they don't understand. And so when you and I are walking an abnormal life, we need to be prepared. The world will not celebrate it. But I tell you what, we can find purpose in it. That's exactly what this man did. Look what it says in Mark chapter five. After he had been set free, Jesus says this to him. Now go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. One encounter. One encounter with Jesus and his whole life changed. One encounter with Jesus and a lifetime of bondage, he was set free. You are here today and you are having an encounter with Jesus. I wonder if this is the one encounter where you will be set free. See, the power that sets us free from our past, that's the same power that pushes us forward into our future. And it's available to you and to me. I think we may be a little bit more like this man than we realize. I think that we too can be roaming around free, but we're still in bondage and pain to shame and regret and things in our past. But Jesus came to set us free. And a free life is a life filled with purpose. See, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created with a purpose in mind. It says in Acts chapter 17 that God knew exactly where you would be and where you would live. Why? Because he has a purpose for you. In Ephesians 2.10 it says that we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he prepared in advance for us to do. Listen, his good works are not boring. His good works are exciting and they're the greatest thrill of our life if we just don't give up. I mean, think about it. What might you miss if you gave up now? Job persevered and the Lord finally brought about restoration for his life. If you persevere, if I persevere, what might the Lord bring about in our lives, in our children, in our church? But maybe you're thinking that this isn't you. Maybe you're thinking that you have no purpose because you made a choice in your life, in your past, and it's disqualified you. Maybe you feel like you've already given up. Can we just remember Peter together? I mean, Peter, he was, he was, walking, he was walking on water with Jesus. And then one day, Peter made a really bad choice. He denied Jesus. And he found himself in an unexpected bad place. When Jesus was being crucified, Peter gave up. And he went back to his life of fishing, no purpose, going through the motions. But Jesus, he came and found him. He restored him and he gave him a second chance of life. And do you know what Peter did with that second chance? He grabbed a hold of that thing and he said, I am gonna live it to the full. I am going to live the life of adventure. And because Peter didn't give up, we have the gospel here today. Here's what I'm trying to say. Failure does not define you. Our failure, it's an open door for God's faithfulness and He walks through it every time and it is abnormally beautiful. So don't give up. Don't give up on Jesus, because He hasn't given up on you. Let me wrap this up by saying this. We are all, we are all going to come across unexpected, hard circumstances in life that are gonna make us wanna give up. But James says, don't do it. There's a better way. Jesus, Jesus didn't give up. The Pharisees were fighting him. The disciples were abandoning him. The family was questioning him. He didn't give up. Instead of he received and released grace and poured it out on the lives of other people. So I bet it was really confusing for James on the day that Jesus did give up. See, Jesus was the leader and one day James watched Jesus being led away. He was being led away by soldiers with a cross on his back and I could just see James going, whoa, 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 whoa. what's happening here? What's what's going on? Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you giving up? Why are you going with them? What What are you thinking? But Jesus gave up and he went to a hill And they put the cross on the ground and they put his body on it. And by that time, I bet James was just wild. I can see him at the foot of the cross. He's there with his mother. She's sobbing, just out of control. And he's saying, Jesus, what are you you doing? What are you doing? Why are you giving up? I've seen you do miracles. You can call down angels from heaven and get out of this. Why are you giving up? But Jesus did. He gave up and he died. He gave up his life for you, And for me, he gave up and then he was raised up. So I wonder, maybe James has a different definition of giving up. Maybe there's an abnormal way to give up. I still think James would want us to remember. He wants us to remember all of these things that he's told us. He would want us to know we have all we need. In Jesus, we have all we need. And when we have that, we have a brand new identity. And that identity gives us the relationship with the Father. That means we have who we need. And in that relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will tell us that we have a life worth living and that we do have a purpose. James would tell us all this is the better way of life. And he would say, don't give up and quit do give up and surrender. Amen. To give up and quit means we stop trying. To give up and surrender means we start trusting. That's what Jesus did. He trusted the Father for the better way. The last words he said when he was on the, on the cross is, Father, into your hands I commit or I surrender my spirit. And today, you and I can say, Father, into your hands, I surrender the situation I'm in. You can say the same thing. I give up my life so I don't give up on life. Where do you need to surrender? Where is God saying, give it to me and then hold on to me? And maybe some of you are thinking, you know what? That's all great, but you don't know my situation. You don't know my circumstances. It's deep, it's hard, it's complex then I would encourage you to remember James five eleven. 11. It says the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He's not full of judgment and condemnation. He is full of compassion and mercy. So regardless of how hard your situation is, you have a merciful compassionate God who is right here saying, just surrender it to me. See this, this is the abnormal life when we realize that we have all we need, we have who we need, and we have a life worth living, when we know who we are and who God is and what we were created to do, this, this is the better way. And I think that's what James wants to tell us. Don't give up on living the better way. Don't give up on walking with Jesus. Don't give up on being abnormal. Will you close your eyes with me? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Where is that place, the relationship, the situation, the place that has you paralyzed in fear, the place that maybe nobody else even knows about, that place, that, that is where Jesus says, just surrender it. I will give you a way out. Today, he's inviting me to trust him. He's inviting you to trust him. Let's accept that invitation with our whole heart. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you that you gave up and surrendered out of love. And because of that, we have a better way of life with you. And so we say thank you. And we are so grateful. May today be a new day. May today be a day of surrender and the first step into a better way of living. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.